2: Welcome to the Notre Dame edition of Know the Reason Why, your land-grant podcast network preview show for every Ohio State football game this season. My name is Matt Tamanini, and I am joined, as always, by Justin Golba. Justin, does this feel different? It's week four of the season, but there's just a... Uh, a little bit more electricity and a little bit more energy and excitement for this week than the first three games against admittedly far inferior opponents.
1: Oh yeah. And I think, I do think this being a road game also plays into that. You know, you never know how a team might react on the road. Obviously Notre Dame is a, a big environment. I I don't know if hostile is the word. I've always thought hostile environment is kind of weird, but I guess that is the word. But, um, yeah, I'm excited. This is a great week of college football in general, as everyone knows, and it's kind of capped off with this game. So to, this is going to be a lot of fun. Nervous, but fun.
2: How much did your excitement for the game change from before the Western Kentucky game to after the Western Kentucky game?
1: I would say it changed a little bit only in the sense of. If I came to this game, if Kyle McCord looked bad. That I'd be really worried, but the fact that he looked really good and he looked a lot more comfortable, I'd say not even looking good, but just comfortable in his in, in how he in look, Notre Dame's defense is a lot better than Western Kentucky's, and we'll talk about that. That's no secret, but he just looked a lot more comfortable, and I think that's the biggest thing coming into this game because it's his first, first real road game. I mean, it was at Indiana, but that, I don't know if that really counts. Um, so this will be. It's always nice to see your your new and young quarterback, how they how they face that first road game, that first real tough environment and uh, especially under the lights. So, you know, that that's where I'm just a little more comfortable with him. Honestly, my excitement has gone up as I've watched Notre Dame this year, because Notre Dame has that kind of uh, moniker of, oh, they're going to win some games, but they're fraudulent. Like they're never actually a contender. And they've earned that because every time they've gone to big games, they've choked or they haven't won, whatever you want to call it. I think this Notre Dame team is one of the better ones they've had. I think this. I think Sam Hartman is a legitimate threat at quarterback, and that's where I think the excitement comes from. Because I don't think Ohio State will walk all over them. I think Notre Dame put up a good fight.
2: Notre Dame has a reputation for having a good offensive line, a good, solid defense, a strong running game, but Sam Hartman coming over from Wake Forest, an experienced quarterback put up a lot of yards, been in college for damn near a decade, he just kind of brings an extra air of competence that I'm not sure that Notre Dame has had at that position really. I mean, hell, I can't even think of the last quarterback for the Irish who has been on the same level as as Sam Hartman. It's only been four games. They've played Navy, uh, Tennessee State, Central Michigan, and NC State, but uh, he, he just kind of brings a, a different level to this team. I'm not 100% sure that it takes the entire team up to a new level because again, we haven't seen it. And, and with Notre Dame, much like Penn state, like I'm, you're going to have to prove it to me before i give you the benefit of the doubt because so many times we've given those teams the benefit of the doubt in the past same thing with texas uh, i'm not giving i'm not believing in texas until they prove it i'm not believing in usc until they prove it too many times the national media and college football fans have been like oh this team is great look at this recruits look at this coach look at this quarterback they're really good and then it's the same old thing where they they don't show up in big situations I'm not counting on Notre Dame showing up. I think it'll be a good game. It was a good game last year. Good, at least in, t- in terms of competitive, Justin. But what are you imagining the difference between last year and this year to be beyond just Sam Hartman's back there? So obviously they're going to have a little bit more experience and leadership at the quarterback position.
1: Yeah, I think it's a combination of not only Sam Hartman back there, but there is still questions with Ohio State offense and offensive line, the, obviously Notre Dame is going to be the best front seven they faced all year by far. How do they hold up? How do they let Kyle McCord? Are they going to give Kyle McCord the time to sit back and, and use the weapons he has? Because let's be honest, the Notre Dame secondary has no chance against Marvin Harrison and Mekka, Buka, Carnell Tate, Julian Fleming. If Kyle McCord has that time to get them the ball. And that's all it ever comes down to is just getting the ball out to those guys and let them go win you the game. Cause that's what they do. There are the is easily the two most talented receivers in the country at this point. So it, that's what it's going to come down to is not only on the other end with Sam Hartman being better than you know the Tyler Buckner of last year, but also I think Drew Pine might have even started that game. I don't I don't remember, but um you know now also having a little bit of a younger offensive line, obviously a new quarterback. You know C J Stroud was a full you know year. He was very comfortable. It was, he was experienced last year. He it was in his second year. He knew everything like the back of his hand. Kyle McCord's not exactly in that situation. And so it's why on our previous preview pods, I've talked about I'm glad this game is the fourth game of the season, not the first game like last year, to where I think Ohio State would have been a lot more trouble if it was. You know, Sam Hartman, he's not going to make any mistakes back there, but I don't know that he is good enough to go out there and, and score 40 on this Ohio State defense. And that's where I think the big, the big question is going to come is how good and also Audrey Castemi as the running back. How good are those two and how much can they really pull this team through this Ohio State defense too as well?
2: The one thing that I'm really excited about coming into this game, Justin, just happened on Thursday when Ryan Day did his final media availability with his radio show in a lightning round. Day said that they were coming into the game and they were going to, quote, let it rip. That is the mantra that he had going into the Peach Bowl against Georgia back in December. If the mindset is similar to that game, both with the team, but more importantly with the coaching staff, both on offense and defense, I don't think that this game will be close. I think that Ohio State just has such a significant talent advantage over Notre Dame at certain positions. Again, Notre Dame, very good team. I think if they're not in the top 10, they're very close to the top 10 in terms of the total talent composite uh, this season. So they're not an untalented team. So I'm not saying that. But when you've got players like the ones you mentioned, Marvin Harrison Jr., Julian Fleming, Emeka Ibuka, uh, Carnell Tate, Travion Henderson, Chip Trainum, Cade Stover, G. Scott, When you have that many offensive weapons, I don't care what defense you're playing, uh, you are going to have an advantage. I mean, look at it last year. Ohio State was able to score against Georgia, who was arguably the best defense in the country, not at will, but pretty close to at will. And it was really the defense that laid the egg for the Buckeyes. So if Ryan Day is going to call plays to let it rip, and he's going to allow... Uh, Jim Knowles, to call a defense that is aggressive, but not not too much, Jim. We don't need to be blitzing on every uh, on every down. But if they're going to come into this game feeling like they've got nothing to lose and they're going to go after it and, and let their athleticism and their talent advantages speak for themselves, I, I feel like that might be the difference between this year's game and last year's game, which did, on both sides of the ball, feel a little bit like a slog. Uh, earlier this week, Marcus Freeman said that it was the first game, not only of of the season, but also really of his tenure. I know he coached the bowl game the year before, but it was really the first game of, of this uh, of his coaching era at Notre Dame. So he took the air out of it a little bit and sat on it, especially with the the new clock rules. Like that's a legitimate philosophy for a lot of teams to come in against Ohio State. If Ryan Day is saying let it rip, I don't think it matters, and and I. If if he truly calls the game and they really approach the game like they did the Peach Bowl, again, they don't have a whole month or three weeks or whatever to prepare, but they kind of do because I think they were kind of preparing for this for the entire you know regular season. But if that's the case, I think that's the biggest difference, and I think Ohio State will win going away in, in that case.
1: Yeah, and I think I, I completely agree. I think whichever defense plays the best wins this game, and I think the biggest thing is going to be how many weapons does Notre Dame really have? Because I think Denzel Burke has proven he is good enough at this point to take away Chris Tyree, who's probably their best receiver. Uh, he has 216 yards in the year. They, they spread it out a lot. I mean, Jaden Thomas has 12 catches. Jaden Greathouse has 10. Tobias Merriweather has six. Holden Stas, their tight end, has six. So they all kind of spread it out a lot. Denzel Burke is good enough. He's going to probably take away your top receiver. How good is Jaden Thomas, Tobias Merriweather, Jaden Greathouse? and how much can they really affect this Ohio State secondary that so far has looked phenomenal, looked really good against Western Kentucky. I mean, you know, we talked about in that preview pod that they're going to get some yards the way they run that offense, but for the most part, that secondary looked great, and they did what they needed to do um, to slow down Austin Reed and really take away the big plays and stuff like that, which Notre Dame has a knack for. I mean, Tobias Merriweather already has a 75-yard touchdown catch. Chris Tyree has a 76-yard touchdown catch. Audrey Kastemi's already broken 80-yard touchdown run. So that's three touchdown plays over above 75 yards um, in just the first four weeks for Notre Dame. So they have that ability to break the big play. And I think that as long as the back end of this Ohio State defense can play as the way they've been playing all year and take that away, Notre Dame will struggle to really run with Ohio State because their offense is good enough, you know, Indiana and Youngstown State aside, when they really, like you said, if Ryan Day really opens it up and McCord's on his game, no matter what defense they're playing they're going to score mid 20s to early 30 to low 30s just just with the weapons they have
2: yeah yeah Notre Dame comes into the game with the number four pass defense in the country they're only allowing 126.8 yards per game through the air they've only allowed two passing touchdowns and they've picked off opposing quarterbacks five times that's impressive but then when you look at who they've played Navy has the 130th ranked passing offense in the country. NC State is 76th, and Central Michigan is 124th. There are only 133 teams in uh, FBS. Two of the teams that Notre Dame played are in the bottom 10. Then you throw in the fact that the Tennessee State Tigers are ranked 89th out of 122 teams in FCS, and those numbers start to come into a little bit sharper focus, and you don't really know... Is their secondary, is their pass defense actually good, or have they just played bad teams? It might be a combination of both, but we come into this game having a lot of unanswered questions about both uh, of these teams just based on the fact that they haven't really played any teams of significance. Of course, Ohio State played Indiana, a middling to lower third Big Ten team. Notre Dame played NC State, a middling ACC team so those teams are legitimate power five teams but I still think there's a lot of unanswered questions and to me the attitude is the only thing that's left unanswered on Ohio State's side of the ball in terms of the playmakers I think you can still say there's unanswered questions about the offensive line I think there's unanswered questions about Kyle McCord but the mindset that the team comes in with and the coaching staff comes in with I think mitigates some of those because I think in the middle of the second quarter or so against Western Kentucky, we started to see a little bit of a change in philosophy in terms of the offensive play calling. It started to actually feel like it was Kyle McCord's game plan, Kyle McCord's team, rather than kind of working on a generic playbook that might've been left over from CJ Stroud's era. And we saw them get rid of the ball quickly. We saw them spread the ball around to as many different weapons as humanly possible. We saw them, go with the short passes, the short to intermediate passes to set up the deep ball and the running game rather than the opposite, where so many times we see Ryan Day run on first down so that he's not behind the sticks and then you throw out of that, or because CJ Stroud was a maniac, he loved going deep, like that was the first option for him on most passing plays. Now it's the other way around, where we are setting up the deep balls, setting up Trey and Chip and even Mayan, because we see Kyle getting rid of the ball. And a lot of that might have to do with the fact that the offensive line is still struggling, especially on the left-hand side of the ball. But maybe it's the, the scarlet and gray-colored glasses, Justin, but like I feel like the answers, I feel like the unanswered questions for Ohio State, especially on offense, are a lot easier to smooth over based on scheme and game plan than some of the things we don't yet know about Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, and it's going to sound like a broken record at this point, but if Sam Hartman does get into a situation where it's mid-second quarter and, you know, the the, the high State secondary looks great and, the you know, the front seven's getting a good push and really stopping Audra Kastemi, what happens? Where does he turn to? Is, is he good enough to really just put the team on his back and of for, for lack of a better phrase, Caleb Williams it and just kind of go out there and win the game on his own or like a Bryce Young. Last year we saw against Texas where everything was going wrong, but Bryce Young just kind of stepped up and played Superman. I don't know the Sam Hartman's that kind of quarterback if he is. I mean, he has 13 touchdowns and no picks on the year. He's completed over 70 percent of his passes. He's, he's had a great start to the year, and I think he was great at Wake Forest. At Wake Forest, he had something that he doesn't have on this team, and that's A.T. Perry. Um, who was one of the better receivers in the country, he doesn't really have that with his team, and that's what Kyle McCord does have. When the going gets tough, when you, you know maybe the game plan is not going well, if Notre Dame's defense is looking better and better, just throw the ball to Marvin Harrison and Mekek Buka and let them make a play. You know Notre Dame doesn't have that option. I don't think with their receivers, they're talented, but they're not that talented. Uh, they're not top, you know, two in the country talented. So that's where I just, if this game does turn to a slog, kind of like last year and. You know, both offenses kind of look like they're in a little bit of a stalemate. I think Ohio State's just skilled players will take the game over, and that's where I just feel a little more comfortable,
2: yeah. I mean, their their offense is is still multi-dimensional. You've mentioned Estimate a couple times. He's averaging eight point three yards per carry. he's He's number two nationally with one hundred and thirty point two five yards per game. Again, competition that's everything early in the season with both of these teams you have to factor for for competition. So like he is dynamic. But does Sam Hartman have the the type of weapons to do more than just dink and dunk against a, a secondary for Ohio State that I think is really good. And I am not 100% sure. The other thing that you have to look out for is Notre Dame's ability to convert third downs. That that is where I I I am a little unsure. They have converted 24 of their 44 third down attempts on the season for that's 54.55%. That's 10th nationally. For comparison, Ohio State has only picked up 12 of its 33 attempts. That's 36.36. So effectively 20 points behind them. Also, Notre Dame is perfect on fourth down, four for four, Ohio State's six of eight. Other than the Western Kentucky game, if you just go off of the Indiana and Youngstown State game, Ohio State allowed 12 of 30 third down attempts which at the time was like middle-of-the-road uh, 70-ish in, their, um, uh, in FBS. They were really good against Western Kentucky, 3-for-16. Three, three so right now they're 37th nationally. That has become uh, a little bit better since Ryan Day really harped on it following the Youngstown State game. But because Audric Estime is capable of, of breaking off some runs The third down conversions is something that I do think Ohio State fans should be interested in and and be concerned about because as good as Ohio State's defensive line is at run-stopping, and especially with Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg, if the Notre Dame offense can continue to prolong drives and keep the ball away from Ohio State's offense, that's where Ohio State's talent advantage on offense is gets completely nullified because they just won't have the ball. That is what Ryan Day has been complaining about all season when it comes to the clock rules is that his team, his offense, the part that really makes this team go, just doesn't have the opportunity to be on the field. So I I think the third down conversions and and kind of keeping everything in front of them is going to be a big deal for the Buckeye defense. If they can get the Irish off the field without allowing them to eat up, you know, a half of a quarter or two thirds of a quarter. That's that's going to be the thing that allows the offense to really take advantage of its of of its skill. If not, if Notre Dame can grind out the clock, if they can kind of wait until deep into a play clock to call a snap and then kind of run the ball over and over to kind of bleed uh, the game clock, that could be a way to negate any advantage Ohio State has from an offensive perspective.
1: Yeah, and another thing that I think I feel pretty comfortable with this defense is the way they've really tackled an open space so far this year because, you know, the the Notre Dame skill players do have, like like the Chris Tyree and the Tobias Merriweather big plays, those were short passes that they took to the house, you know. So um, that if you could just keep the game in front of them, keep the game in front of them, you know, and even if it does tick some of the clock off, if you can avoid those big plays, you know, and just make those open field tackles that over the past two years We've kind of seen Ohio State tend to struggle with. That is a huge thing to just make sure that you keep that big keep the big play off the board. And really also, there's nothing that gets a crowd going like a 65 yard touchdown. You know, so if you can keep the crowd kind of out of it, if it does turn into a slog, the crowd's kind of tired, you know, they want a big play, but they're not seeing it. So they're kind of sitting down. All the things you can do to kind of nullify being on the road and stuff is also a key in this in this game. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available
0: for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America N.A. member FDIC.
2: We've talked a lot about Ohio State having the ball, but let's let's flip it over when they're on defense. One of the, I mean, really the only complaint that anybody's had about Ohio State's defense this season is the fact that they haven't really gotten any sacks out of the defensive line, especially the edge rushers, the defensive ends. I don't know if I really think that in today's day and age, when quarterbacks get rid of the ball so quickly, that sacks mean the same thing as they did five years ago, 10 years ago, when the Boses were here, when Chase Young was here. Obviously, getting sacks is still great, but I don't know that that's the the absolute measuring stick for whether a defensive line or whether a defense in general is successful in a pass rush. How important do you think it is to pressure Sam Hartman? How, imp- how important do you think it is to hit Sam Hartman? How important do you think it is to sack Sam Hartman? Uh, and those are three different, distinctly different things. If Ohio State wants to keep him from kind of sitting back in the pocket and 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 picking apart a defense because he has all the time in the world
1: yeah i i don't think the sacks number is important at all i think you know um in his weekly column on langer and holy land jordan williams talked about on his cover six sacks overrated and pressure is king and it was you know i completely agree with that as long as you can make him a little bit uncomfortable you know maybe hit him a couple times just to send that message but as long as you're, you're getting some pressure on him for he's not a runner, right? He is, he is negative 70 yards rushing on the air. Um, so he's, and he's only been sacked four times. So he's not a runner. He's not going to threat you with his leg. He's not going to hurt you with his legs at all. Um, he has negative 70 yards and he does have a 16 yard rush, which is funny. He does have two touchdowns, but those were all short. So, you know, he he's going to sit back in the pocket and he wants to throw the ball. He wants to have time to try to pick apart a defense as long as you get some pressure on him, force him to get the ball out fast. And that's where your secondary, your back seven comes in or your your back end of your defense comes into play, making tackles, making sure that nobody squeaks by you. All of those things, all those fundamentals of defense is where that comes in. So if they have zero sacks, I couldn't care less. I just, I just I want to see a little bit of pressure, make him uncomfortable, make him roll out of the pocket a little bit and kind of force him to improvise because he's not the best improviser uh that you're gonna face this year.
2: On offense, other than the quarterback, because obviously, but other than Kyle McCord, who has to have a great game for Ohio State to win? Because I think a lot of maybe the easy answer is, oh, it's got to be Marvin Harrison Jr. But I don't think he has to have a great game because I think if they shut him down, you've still got a Mecca Ibuka. Is it Trey? Is it Chip? Is it someone on the offensive line? Is it Uh, Cade Stover. Who is it in your mind that has to have a great game for Ohio State to win?
1: So I'll say Travion Henderson, but I will kind of back end the point of just one running back has to play well. You know they have a lot of them. They have a lot in this. You know a lot of guys that can step in. And if Travion Henderson isn't playing well, maybe it's Chip, maybe it's Mine, whatever the case may be. But the but just in general, the running game has to go because I think over the past couple years with Justin Fields with CJ Stroud, we've even seen, even if they go one dimensional, those guys are good enough to where they can win games just with the passing game. I don't know that a Colin McCord might be that good. I just don't know that, first of all, this is the game that we want to test that theory. And secondly, um, you know, I don't think he do, is quite on the CJ Stroud, Justin Fields level, at least yet. And I think they have to be two dimensional in offense to really open up that passing game, kind of, you know, use the run to open up the, uh, the passing game. the oldest trick in the book and I think Trayvon Henderson every single game looks better and better and better um, and I think that he's he's really primed right now to get onto a prime time stage on the road and kind of just remind people exactly who he is because he's he's starting to like I said every game he's looked better and better and I think that we're starting to really get back to similar to Tenzel Burke that freshman year where we were like oh this dude's going to be something special. We're getting back to that this year, and I think Trayvon Henderson is is primed to have a huge breakout game.
2: So uh, a couple questions before we wrap up. What is your thoughts on if Ohio State blows out Notre Dame, what's the reason? Just a short couple words. What's the reason why Ohio State blows out Notre Dame?
1: Pressure. I think if if they get pressure on Sam Hartman and really stop that offense and and kind of cold in his tracks, really make life hard on hard on Audrey Castemme and not let him kind of get to the get in the gaps he likes to get into and then break those big runs. Um, that's what it's gonna be about. Just really, really stalling their offense and then letting your offense do what it does and go score 30 points.
2: I think my answer is the same just on the other side of the ball. I think it's if Ohio State's offensive line can keep pressure away from Kyle McCord because if you do that, you're you've got no chance to stop this offense. So I, I think if they can, if if the offensive line, especially on the left side, if Josh Simmons, and he might be the guy who I think has to have a great game uh, on offense to win. But if they can do that, then I don't think there's any chance that Notre Dame can keep up just from a scoring perspective. Uh, you know, unless they sit on the ball and you know keep the ball for you know 38, 40 minutes of a game. Um, OK, flip it around. If Notre Dame blows out Ohio State, what's the reason?
1: Tom McCord is not the guy we thought he was. I think it you know, I think there is a small chance that he walks in this game and really struggles just on the road, really good defense, best defense he's faced in his career by far. Um, and just if he can't, if maybe Ryan Day doesn't do what he says and opens up the playbook and they really play conservative and. He struggles with his confidence early. Maybe he gets picked off early or something. Something just gets him out of his rhythm um. to where I think the first possession of this game is going to be really key. If something happens to where McCord gets out of his rhythm, I love the way he responded last week with the fumble. Um, That was really his only bad play of the game. So that was good. But this is a whole different monsters, whole different environment. If he gets out of his rhythm early and he starts making some bad, bad reads, maybe Marvin Harrison and, like Buka aren't getting the separation they normally do or something like that. Um, then I think if then this game could get into a, a little bit of an interesting kind of waters that we haven't seen in a while for as Ohio State fans, because we've had very, very good quarterbacks that haven't had that issue.
2: I would probably go on the other side of the ball as well that I, I think if Notre Dame can blow out Ohio State, that would assume that they're scoring a lot of points. And if that happens, that is going to be because I think the secondary is not as good as we thought they were.
1: Right. And yeah. That would, uh, yeah. Agreed.
2: Because uh, even if Audra guesstamé runs for eight yards of carry, that still takes a lot of time for them to score enough points to blow Ohio state out. So I think it has to be through the air and I think it has to be Sam Hartman kind of just dominating and doing whatever he wants. I don't see that happening. I think the defense is really good. So I, I, I don't see that happening. But if it does, I, I would say it's because Denzel Burke gets burnt a few times. Maybe Davidson Eggnogson has a couple penalties. Maybe Josh Proctor reverts back to old Josh Proctor. Maybe Sonny Styles. It's, t- it's too big of a moment for him. Who knows? Maybe one, two, three of those things. But that would be But what I would say if, if the Irish find a way to kind of beat Ohio State running away. All right, so that's the hypotheticals, Justin. Give me your no-doubt, absolutely 100% accurate, take it to the bank, bet a billion uh, dollars on it in Vegas prediction for score, what happens in Notre Dame Stadium on Saturday night.
1: Yeah, I don't know how great I feel about this pick, but I can't land on a different one. So I'm just going to go with Ohio State 31, Notre Dame 24. I think it'll be a... A solid game throughout, and then just a stop by the defense at the end, and that'll be that.
2: So, with the Notre Dame SB Nation site, one foot down. I did a huge log Q and A. Actually, they, they interspliced it with Q and A from our old friend Colton Denning, so you can check out both Colton and my thoughts. And doing anything with one foot down, they always ask some really crazy questions. Their their fans ask questions, so it was a lot of fun. So, so go ahead and read that. Uh, I did compare the chocolate and peanut butter Buckeyes to communion wafers. So take that for what it's worth. Um, Interesting. They asked the question. I answered it honestly. So... um, That's all you
1: can do. That's all you can do.
2: But I picked there Ohio State 34, Notre Dame 27, but I did reserve the right to change that because I did make that pick before Ryan Day essentially said they were going to open up the office. They were going to let it rip. My presumption would be that we would see... Ryan, don't call me turtle day in this game, because that's what he generally does in games against quality competition that he doesn't have a month to practice for and and to to plan for if he's going to go with it. And, you know, I don't know if you listen to the podcast with uh, Austin Ward, Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham, Douglas Maurice, one of the things they've been talking about a lot this offseason is whether or not Ohio State was actually viewing the first three weeks of the season as a preseason, kind of like an NFL schedule. I don't know that I believe that. And it sounds a little bit like revisionist history to kind of justify the Buckeyes not looking great at all times. And I love the podcast. I listen to it every day, at least one episode a day, if not multiple episodes a day. We had Doug Maurice on after the Indiana game. But they are in a lot of ways they're access guys. Like they they can't piss people off. So maybe they are trying to provide a little cover for Ohio State. But I do so I'm not I'm not excusing the Youngstown State or Indiana game performances on this notion. But what I am saying is is that I do think that there's something to the fact that because they were working in a new offensive line, because they were working in a new quarterback, because they were getting guys on both sides of the ball back healthy after seasons where they were hurt a lot. I do think that there's something to be said, that they took some time to get them acclimated to what they were going to be doing this year. Don't install the entire playbook. Don't expose them to too much. Work on things that you know can be building blocks for what's next and for what you're going to need to do throughout the whole season. And I think that's especially true with Kyle McCord because we saw the evolution inside the second quarter against Western Kentucky. So if the plan was to kind of get people brought along in chunks, and I know that's, you know, I know in general, you don't install an entire playbook during fall camp. You add more throughout the year. But if there was a concerted effort for the entire team to kind of work up to this specific game and then they're going to kind of open the floodgates, I could see this being a runaway game. And and the the let it rip mentality kind of kind of cements that possibility for me. So while I said 3427 on the 1 foot down q and I am going to go actually 4224. I also reserve the right to change that one before my official pick in the uh tailgate podcast comes out tomorrow morning, but 4224 feels good for me if all the stars align and Ohio State plays its best game.
1: So I do have a quick question for you as we end this. Yes. If God forbid uh, Notre Dame wins this game and it's because Sam Hartman, is he the Heisman front runner at that point? I've seen that I, question tossed around a lot.
2: I mean, it depends. I mean, because there's so many great games um, going on on Saturday. Look, a game that's happening at the same time as Ohio State's game that I think could have some Heisman trophy um uh, implications is number fourteen Oregon State versus number twenty one Washington State. I think both of the quarterbacks in that game are legitimate Heisman contenders with DJ Lale and Cameron Ward. They aren't the guys who are going to be talking about right now, but if those two teams, which are you know Oregon State's fourteen, Washington State's twenty one, if those two teams can, or or if either of those teams can do well in the Pac twelve, those guys put up huge numbers. Um, I think right now the obvious. Heisman Trophy front runner is Michael Penix Jr. And yeah. until he shows me a reason not for him to be that, um, I think he's he's up there for me. He has not played anybody like Sam Hartman has played Ohio State or Quinn Ewers has played Alabama, although I'm not sure Alabama is all that good. Uh, anyway, but I would still stick with Michael Penix Jr. But I I just I just struggle to think that Notre Dame's offense is going to put up enough points, not just Saturday, but throughout the season for their quarterback to be considered, I could see Audric Estime being a much more likely Heisman candidate mm-hmm. than Sam Hartman, to be quite honest with you, just because of the nature of the offense in South Bend. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of great, a lot of great Heisman implications. Uh, and who knows? Maybe our guy Kyle
2: McCorder go out and throw five touchdowns and maybe toss his name in that ring. Here's the thing. If you go back and look, and I did this last year because CJ Stroud was the prohibitive favorite coming into the season to be the Heisman Trophy candidate. I went back and looked, and I I don't remember the details. But if you go back and look and like compare who were the front runner or runners coming into the season, oftentimes they will still get invited to New York. But the people who win are the folks who have a story that gets them into that conversation. It's not the guys who are like, okay. We knew he was great. We knew he was a Heisman Trophy winner, uh, contender, a Heisman Trophy contender coming to the season, and he just got it. Usually, it's guys like, oh, we know that name. And then they work themselves into it throughout the season, and people start to back him because they like the momentum and like the story. So, yeah, looking at no Caleb Williams— I, I just I think it's somebody who I think it's gonna be somebody like Michael Penix Jr., like DJ Uyangalole, like Cameron Ward, who have a good story and, and are might be able to break out. I, I just I don't think it's gonna be Caleb Williams as great as he is. Um I don't think it's gonna be Sam Hartman. I don't think he's had the opportunity. I mean, maybe Shador Sanders ends up doing this all season. I think they're gonna have a tough road on Saturday against Oregon and probably just as tough against USC next week uh but who knows i think it's going to be somebody with a good story and if and if Kyle McCord ends up breaking through the shackles of this early season and not being as well received as Justin Fields and CJ Stroud at the end of their tenures because remember the beginning of CJ's tenure was even worse than Kyle McCord's um i think that would be a good story so if if he ends up being the guy i could see him getting an invite um yeah i i don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities i wouldn't bet on it but i don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities at this point
1: agree yeah no it's it'll be it'll be interesting to see these two this is definitely um kind of a it's definitely obviously colin mccord's kind of coming out party of look i'm here you know this is my job but it's also sam hartman to say you know as, as good as he's been can you take that next step of kind of the elite top tier quarterbacks in the country
2: All right, everybody, that is all that we have for you on this episode of Know the Reason Why, your Land Grant Podcast Network preview podcast for every Ohio State football game. If you want to follow the podcasts on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Land Grant Pods. If you want to follow the website, it's at Land Grant 33 If you want to follow me, it's BWW Matt. If you want to follow Justin, you know, we're getting close to basketball season too, so in addition to all of the football stuff, you've got his basketball takes over there too. You can follow him at Justin underscore Golba. If you are hearing this episode on our website, please make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and please throw us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your daily dose of audio goodness. Thanks again for listening. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go bucks.